Lebanon for the second episode of the Beirut Banyan. And this episode begins with a traffic jam. I left Beirut at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, thinking that I would need at most an hour and a half to reach Rayak. And I actually gave myself extra time. I wanted to spend the afternoon in Zahli. And I thought, just after lunch, I can manage it. There wouldn't be that much traffic. And I was completely wrong. I ended up getting stuck in traffic for three and a half hours. Part of that was due to a truck container that actually fell uh, on the old Damascus Road near Stura. So that was part of the congestion, but that wasn't the entire congestion. Most of it was just traffic and unbearable traffic. And it was the perfect pretext for the interview with Elias Malouf, founder of Train Train NGO. We had scheduled the interview at 5.30. Somehow, somehow, I made it to Rayak at 5.30. So I was on time. We did the interview at Chateau Rayak, a, a vineyard that Elias owns and runs. And we actually, we did the interview in his wine cellar. Uh, electrical outlet is all I really needed. And of course, uh, there was uh, two chairs and a desk. Couldn't really do it in the vineyard itself. So we sat down in the cellar. And Elias took me on a journey through time. Now, I'm often skeptical about the charm of train enthusiasts, uh, especially Sheldon Cooper of Big Bang Theory and other train experts that I've met. They don't seem to be the most uh, charming, if you will. Elias is very charming. It might be because of the wine. I mean, he was glowing during the conversation. It's probably a blend of wine and passion. He adores trains. Uh, He spent his honeymoon on a steam locomotive. He lives next to the old train station of Reyak. I think think a train enthusiast is an understatement. He's, uh, He's an expert and he's enamored with trains. And he really did a good job at bringing a bit of our history back to life. And I ended up leaving the conversation, looking at the train tracks, going back to Beirut, looking at the abandoned train stations, and really wanting to recapture that part of our history. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Elias Malouf, founder of Train Train NGO. The trains helped build Lebanon. Of course. Can, can we get into that a little deeper? What, what do you... What exactly do you mean by build Lebanon? Trains are built by men, but cities are built by trains. Which means uh, uh, there was no Hamdun before having a railway. There there was no Alay, there was no Rayak. Rayak was built by the railways purely. Because if you see, before having a railway, we had no airport. We had no infrastructure. We had a small uh, uh, town with uh, one or two churches and and houses surrounded each each one of them. And suddenly, after having a railway system, we had hundreds and thousands of employees working in the railway system, new houses, new buildings, a new city arousing. Less than 10 years after the railways, we had an airport, uh, the biggest in the Middle East for a certain period of time, the Rayak Airport. We became a big city. So and you, you owe this uh, yeah. to the train network. That, of course, of course. You know, I've never heard that before. It's interesting. I always assumed that there was a village, Hamdun, and that the train was deliberately brought there. I didn't think of it as the train 
created what we call Pamdun today. No, no. Uh, we have a steep mountain in mm, Lebanon. Mm. So the engineers working on bringing the railways were working hard to try to uh, find the easiest way for the railway to climb up the mountains. Mm-hmm. So uh, even though they found the easiest way, but it was the hardest way in the world. So we had the highest slope yeah. of a train climbing a mountain between Haraya and Alai for a long period of time. Oh, the highest slope in the world. You're kidding. Yes. That's why we had special trains that no longer exist anywhere else in the world. They were made specially for Lebanon, wow. which we asked for, for them to be preserved in a museum, not just because we like to have a museum and it's the thing. No, we want to preserve them because they were the trains that climbed the highest slopes in the world uh, for a certain period of time. Of course, now we have highest and steepest slopes, but the trains that we have in Lebanon... Uh, uh, especially in 1895 until uh, 1900s, uh, 1920s, uh, we had the highest slope. So let's then go back to the late 19th century. This is Ottoman Beirut. This is still Ottoman Empire, that there's a heavy investment in rail network, and the mountains of Lebanon are of interest. And that's, I think, it's almost impossible to imagine today that this part of the world was so advanced in trains and rail network that it's almost unthinkable today that we, we could even try to do that again. Well, why were the 1890s uh, important for this part of the world, in particular rail? Why was that, uh, why were we excelling in that sort of dramatically? Okay, uh, we came late to the railway network. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. to the railway, railway lines of the world. We mm-hmm. came late. But when we, uh, when we suddenly arrived to the railways, when uh, like, uh, Britain had the rails like, uh, almost 60 to 70 years before us, mm-hmm. uh, we suddenly uh, became equal once we had the railway line, which was firstly a project by Lebanese. So People say, no, it... A Frenchman came and built our railways. Yes, sir. A Frenchman came and built our railways. His name is Comte Edmond du Pertuis. But he came after uh, Hassan Bayhom and Yusuf Bekel Matran, mm. who came and they established a, a company and they, they, they took the concession from the Ottomans and they got the investment. And suddenly so, sorry, these were local investors that took. Of course, okay. they, they, they are local investors who came and uh, they invested with their money. One who had a lot of land here in, uh, in ba- between Baalbek and Rayak and another one who had a lot of land in Beirut and they had a, lot, had a lot of interest. They've been traveling around the world. They know what's like having a railway. And for them, it was, uh, it was something uh, for their country that they don't have a railway. They needed this for their investments, for their work. So this was a bottom-up initiative from local... Of course, that's, of course, that's, um, that's incredible. Yes, uh, most of the people don't understand that uh, who invested the first in the railways. It was Yusuf Bakel Matran, Hassan Bayhom, and afterwards, uh, Comte Edmond de Pertuis, who owned the port of Beirut, who invested in the port of Beirut, and he invested also in the uh, in the in the lines of the uh, carriage lines. It's called the diligence. Mm-hmm. He he made a, 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 the line of the diligence. 
he found okay i have the port i have the diligence why shouldn't i be part of the railway so he became the the main contributor but it was happening with or without the condom dupertui and and i have to say for us as an ngo i love condom dupertui he is the father of transportation in Lebanon because he had established the most important establishments for transportation but we also have to give credits for our good people who came and worked even in Tripoli by the way Tripoli what happened is Tripoli was the most important city in our region mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Beirut was considered rank 2 uh, Tripoli rank 1 yeah. uh, there was no Rayak Right. Damascus was ranked too for the Ottomans, mm-hmm. and uh, by the way, uh, the population of Beirut never never ex- exceeded seven thousand to eight thousand before the railways. Suddenly, after the railways, we had started having one hundred twenty thousand people, two hundred thousand people, uh, and uh, uh, the population of Beirut started booming because of having this, not only the railway, the port of Beirut, the tramway of Beirut, the whole infrastructure of a good network that connects people together. So what happened? So we owe it to this, we owe it to rail networks for the foundations of of the country. Uh, Usually before having a transportation system, uh, like a network, like a train or a tramway, cities were built uh, by the riversides. Because uh, it, you can transport the, 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 your wood, uh, your things, you ha- can drink, you can make your, your agriculture. But uh, afterwards, cities started becoming uh, built around uh, the systems, the electric, electricity, the water system, the, the, uh, the railway system. So even if you don't have a certain town or a certain city in a certain location, just because you have a highway passing by it, you suddenly see a, a, a city arising. Why was there a particular interest in sort of advancing or finding advanced technology here as opposed to other parts of the world? Is it just because the mountains were an issue, they had to find a way to link the coast to the mountains? Because it's almost odd that this wouldn't have happened in Europe beforehand. It's, it's striking to know that we were... Very late. Very late, but also maybe up to date at the same time. Uh, suddenly the Ottomans became broke and they needed the money. And the French investors, uh, they said, okay, we, we, we would lend you the money, but you have to do something for this region. We come, we try to take the silk from here, we try to take this from here. And uh, because of your corrupt leaders, we, can't, uh, we have to pay bribes, da, da, da. you have to, uh, to make a new infrastructure for the region in order for us to trust you and give you and lend you the money. So uh, uh, they lent them the money to start uh, uh, evolving, <laughs> making something new for the for the for Beirut and for the Lebanon, but of course uh, uh, they were forced to allow projects from people like uh, Comte de Montpertuis, Youssef Bakelmatran, and Hassan so, Bayhom to so, do so. Uh, like the railway lines here. The Frenchman you're you're referring to, this is still Ottoman era. This is pre-French mandate. Of course. So when the French mandate after World War One, when the Ottoman Empire fell. Were the French as interested in advancing the rail network? Of course, okay. of course, yes. So uh, that, is that the time where the rail network became central to the Lebanese economy? Was it after World War One that uh, this became a sort of uh, from fu- the, fundamental 
from the first day the railway worked, mm. it mm. became fundamental. Imagine okay. going all the way from Beirut to Damascus and taking one week to two weeks depending on the climate and the weather and suddenly in 24 hours and less than 24 hours you ride a locomotive you go with uh, without uh, uh, going into sun just uh, without uh, being attacked by the weather conditions the cold and the hot and everything you just crossing the mountains and uh, having a good time drinking eating uh, on a train and uh, going to Damascus so, so these uh, under the french mandate the french were tolerant of expanding the rail network yeah and even in those days primarily it was it was goods it was carriage cargo passengers using the network when did that become uh, let's say a more more important aspect of the rail network was it with was it sort of as the population kept growing that this became from the one? first day from the first day there from were the pa- first day. passengers you see what uh, because it's the cute uh, uh, chaos i call it uh, usually uh, you have uh, cargo trains uh, all around the world and you have the, the you have the uh, passenger trains the commuter trains all around the world but uh, <laughs> In Lebanon, what happened is that they used to mix uh, both together. So uh, at the beginning, uh, on the first trails, uh, they used to put uh, the cargo and then the, the people riding uh, at the end. And uh, they started complaining because they used to... Uh, they, you had the cattle, the, the sheep, the, the cows in front of you and the smell because of the wind coming to you. So they asked them, no, you have to put the wagons of the, <laughs> of the passengers in front and right. put everything else behind. So afterwards, because it was a steam train, uh, we had a lot of tunnels on the way. Yes. So they had... Uh, uh, the um, the chalk in their faces, but it was like uh, they talk. Uh, people mentioned this in a funny way. They like it. It was better for that than going on on by by donkey or by camel all the way. So you could only move around long distance through rail. Of course. Now, I I've been through these tunnels, and I mean it's a horror film today. Of course. Next to Shikka, there's this fantastic tunnel that's I mean it's a it's a chapter from our history and it's full of hyenas and trash but it's there it's good if you have hyenas huh? maybe yeah the hyenas are, are <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, they can still find refuge in, in something <laughs> so the train now is keeping the wildlife intact yeah 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 it shows you, how far we've of gone of course of course yeah. you go to the train station of Rayak nowadays you see foxes that you don't see anywhere else you see the owls you see the wildlife of, I don't know of the Bekaa this is almost beautiful and tragic station, yes, yeah. yes that these are relics of our past that are that preserve the natural beauty of the country yes wow yes they are the green line now during the civil war the green line was uh, uh crossing from borders from south to north Beirut Mm -hmm. and that line that nobody can walk on Mm -hmm. uh, became the green line because trees suddenly came out and it was the revenge of nature but now the green line of Lebanon is the railway path because Mm -hmm. uh, they say that you have encroachments but they're on only 3% of the line the rest of it is empty uh, full of bushes and trees and grass and uh, you're not even allowed to go inside most of the uh, locations you know three but three percent when i 
when any, anyone drives out of Beirut today, especially going north, where is that train line? Because I look for it today from Marim Khail station pretty much all the way to Tabarja. Where are the tracks? Are they Because 3% sounds very small. Yeah, of course. It, you have, you, I, I'm going to make you a comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have uh, uh, 304 kilometers of rails, four, uh, we have 402 kilometers of rails, okay, all around our country. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, the line between uh, Nahr al Kalb, the, uh, the yeah. tunnel, mm-hmm. all the way to uh, uh, Daura. That's the only line that hasn't been uh, that that has been removed. Mm. But at the same time, when it was removed, uh, there was uh, something a treaty between the World Bank and the government that if you remove the railway, you have to create a path for the railway because one one day you will need those railways. So they created this path, and this path is not used for uh, for a railway Where? or anything else. Where is it? But it is there. Where? Like you see. Uh, if you go in Baye, you see between uh, uh, the the new city of Baye mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the the old road, uh, the old highway, you see uh, like a green line. This is it. So there's a stretch of empty. There's a, there's enough land there. To yes, actually, for to for bring having a railway back. Yes. Uh, let's compare. I I I always use this comparison, which is comparing Beirut to London. Why? Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> I know you will see. You just opened your eyes in London. London, why? yeah, yeah. Because it's the city of uh, transportation in the world. It's the mecca for everybody that uh, believes in transportation and they, they, they study transportation. They say, oh, okay, this is the chosen land for transportation. They go and see double-decker buses, subways, trains, the whole network and... Uh, for many people who tra- who even study transportation, they say London. But uh, considering I'm a, 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 a big city of uh, like London, Lebanon, if you try to mix it all together, because you now see the whole city uh, between Beirut and Tripoli, you, you think it's a big city at the end, because it's all connected together with yeah. buildings and everything. Right. And now we're becoming uh, we're becoming one big city in a small country. Yeah. The whole country is becoming one big city. And if we compare it to the past, up until today, the network of uh, subways in London is 402 kilometers. That network of transport of railway in Lebanon is 402 kilometers up until now. We haven't uh, updated a new network, a new line. So considering the past and the, the present, the present today, Yes, okay, we were very late in having a railway system. We were almost more than 70 years late. Uh, but if you try to compare our country with other uh, uh, like cities that are the size of our country, we, are, we were on the right track. I want to jump a bit out of the French mandate and go to the years just before the Civil War. Am I correct in saying that the train network was already dec- uh, being used less and less, that the investment was not there, that the government was not paying attention to it before the fighting broke out. Yes. Can I? So can I? Can I explain this point? Uh, please do. Yeah, because, I, because but I, I asked it only for one reason that I think it's it's almost too easy to consider this nostalgia for something that wasn't 
maybe functioning well before. Why? Yeah, no, I want to dissect that. And I wanna... always, we always ask ourselves why, and that's why I'm always proud that our NGO now has most of the answers of most of the questions that are related to the transportation system in Lebanon. Because as an NGO, we're not only working on railway, we're working on buses, and we are working on the whole system. Uh, what happened is, in 1960s, the government became so uh, so strong, and they said, okay, why don't we buy the, those big railways and the tramway of Beirut? We are strong. We can do it. What do you mean, what do you mean by buy? They bought them from the private companies that they were oh. owned. Oh, so prior to the 60s, these were private They were railway. private railways. Okay. So uh, the tramway uh, was bought by the government, and after four years, it was stopped by the government. Yeah, replaced by replaced electric by buses. Replaced by buses, yeah. uh, not electric. Uh, there, they were, were not electric buses. They were... Uh, uh, just general just, diesel? Just not even... Uh, they were like uh, gasoline buses, not even diesel. So, uh, so there's a jump from a tram to bus. To a bus, yes. <laughs> and they said, oh, we've, we're doing things right, so let's stop the railway. And they realized, okay, we want to stop the railway now. What happened? Oh, so there was a decision to, to yeah, stop Yeah, even mm-hmm. during the late 60s, they decided to stop the railways before the Civil War. Yeah. They made... Uh, uh, like a big meeting with uh, all the uh, ministers and uh, deputies, and they said, we want to stop the railways. Oh, that's a bright idea. Let's do, go on and stop the railways. But who, d- who didn't believe in this bright idea was the railway workers. Mm-hmm. So they went on. Uh, they got like 10 to 15 trains from Rayak with uh, railway workers and their family all the way to Beirut. And also many trains came from Tripoli and trains came from Saida and they blocked the highway and they made a big, 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 big like a, a strike. A and train they, protest. Yes, yeah. and they, they they stopped the train on the cross uh, the crossroads of the of, of of the city and they went off and they walked towards the parliament and they were able to stop this. So okay. there was a uh, they said okay we can't stop the railway. The, there's a strong syndicate. Uh, we can't stop them. So they realized, uh, because the railway workers, they learned from the mistake of the tramway workers. The tramway workers, they said, okay, we're going to stop the tramway. You all going to go and work in the electricity company. And suddenly they stopped the tramway and uh, they realized that most of the tramway workers, they don't have uh, a place to go. Uh, the tramways were uh, released. Mo- m- many of them went to the electricity company, and other, uh, a few went to the bus company. And uh, uh, a big amount of those workers uh, just had uh, no work to do, nothing to work on. In, in your in your opinion, what was what was the government's reasoning for stopping tram and rail? TMA. Uh huh. Uh, which so is, TMA, uh, yeah, you can yeah, well, maybe the freight, that. Uh, yeah. the freight. Uh, uh, airplane uh, that used to take the cargo to other uh, locations in the Middle East. Uh, also, you had. Uh, why, why would that impact something like the tram network of Beirut? No, no, the tramway. It doesn't. Uh, the railway was uh, uh, was the impact. The tramway uh, 
They, it had a, land, a lot of land in uh, Beirut, and they wanted to stop uh, to take uh, over the land of the tramway. And whoever knows where the tramway land went. The Tram, stops. Tramway uh, land, meaning the station. The stations, the mm-hmm. land that it was owned by the tramway, where it was, where, where it, it would go, who owns now those lands. Mm-hmm. And other than this, uh, people were complaining. You know, Lebanon, uh, everybody, every every citizen of the world complains. But that doesn't mean if you have an, an intelligent con- uh, uh, government, you should go on and, and go through the complaints of the, of the, of the people. If, if you're complaining that, you, that the tramway uh, is slow and it's blocking the way of the cars, you go and make a, a, a faster tramway. You don't go and stop the tramway. So that, but the tramway, I've seen footage from the early 1920s, the start of the French mandate, where there's trams all over the city. Of course. And the trams began before that. The trams were, I guess this was Ottoman initiated, initiated under Ottoman rule, but it took off with the French. Um, after independence, was, it a, was there a decline from the 40s until the 60s? Was it being used less and less anyway? Well, uh, we, I'm imagining we, cars would, yes, would yes. eventually it, intrude on yes, them. Uh, everywhere in the world, you mm-hmm. had the car revolution. Yeah. And what happened is, uh, because I told you the railway company uh, became, uh, and, the, and the tramway and uh, most of the infrastructure became part of the government. Mm-hmm. So uh, because it's not a, a privately owned investment, uh, there will no be, there won't be an, a motivation to try to bring things uh, faster, to make things uh, uh, push things forward, like happened in uh, in France. Because of the car revolution, there was a motivation to make faster trains, not to stop the trains all around mm-hmm. the world. Right. Because of the car revolution, the, there was a, a technology to make uh, silent tramways. Uh, to make a good and uh, uh, clean technology of tramways, uh, electric tramways, and uh, we even had those electric tramways, but uh, they, they to mo- make them more, more comfortable, to, uh, to uh, make uh, safe pathways, uh, because uh, as you know, uh, uh, the tramways, when the government became uh, uh, in charge of them, uh, they started uh, having a lot of accidents, uh, uh, there was no discipline anymore. So, the, so there was a deterioration. Of in, course, in the in the maintenance and organization. In everything. All that stuff. In everything, and uh, you should understand uh, the difference between the tramway before the government and the train before the government. Trains were on time, <laughs> and tramways were on time. This is so important the, the, to emphasize. That, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, imagine the word amantarema. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know what what uh, does it mean? Tarramneha yani tramway. It means mm. the tramway was crossing, so it crosses at six thirty. Let's see. So we are We have to go to eat now. Wow. AUB should stop their class and go to the another class because the tramway just crossed next to the to AUB. Uh, the church starts ringing the bell because it's at this time the locomotive will pass by the church. And uh, it's time for prayer, like in, at eight or at ten or at eleven. So, so there was a, the people relied on the tram. Relied on the, on the tramway, yeah. on the train, yeah. to to understand their time. It wasn't easy to have a clock in your hand or in your pocket before. So it's really going back 
at least the way you're describing it, it's going back to the early 60s where things were still functioning the no, way no, they were intended. No, no, early 60s was the end of this transformation. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. We, so uh, by the end of the 50s, uh, was, was like, uh, uh, you know, before yeah, taking over the government, you start making, uh, uh, forcing the, the, the companies that own those, you start making, uh, taking some measures against them, adding some uh, taxes or... Uh, interfering in their pathways, in the way they work, at the end they will say, "Okay, what do you want?" But do you get the sense? Buy it. So, so do you, do you ever get the sense that there was a, aside from employees revol- uh, protesting for their own jobs as well, do you get a sense that there was public disinterest at, after that period? Before the war, no, ju- so, ju- just a, just an example of the tramway way route. Uh, the day it stopped, you go on the TV and you sing, you, you listen to to songs uh, of nostalgia asking for the tramway to have a They made this song in the 60s. <laughs> so they started missing their tramway as soon as it stopped. Wow. And instead of putting them in museums because they are one, one of a kind and you, you can't find this kind of tramways because they were made specially for the Middle East, for our region. Mm-hmm. They were made cafeterias and uh, uh, they were sold for, uh, for uh, like uh, the kene, uh, for, uh, for and at the end they were sold for scrap. at this moment we were we were interrupted by a team of journalists from Nahar newspaper I, I guess they were also stuck in the same traffic mess uh, but it was okay because I actually I wanted to get outside a bit and explore uh, Elias's home his courtyard his terrace which feeds into the vineyard itself and took in the fresh air because you live in Beirut now it is hard to take a deep breath without coughing and Rayak you can take a deep breath and it's so pleasurable. I mean, the air is clean. It isn't so humid. It's actually fairly dry. So you see, you actually see the visibility. You can see the anti-Lebanon mountains to the east. And you can also sort of see the barrier of the train station. It's, a, it's walled off. So the, the Lebanese army is there now and you can't just walk in. But his property is very close to the train station. And I think he found the sweet spot of how to live next to an abandoned train station and tend to his vineyard at the same time. And uh, I was curious about his upbringing, his sort of his childhood, his youth, and his passion for trains, where it came from. Elias uh, was a filmmaker, and he was meant to become a filmmaker up until 2005, where his life took a dramatic turn. And it involves uh, the Syrian pullout from Lebanon. And that moment uh, put him on a different path. I'm curious more about your own personal passion. Now, we're sitting right now in your, in your winery. We're sitting in Chateau Rea. And it's, it's a great place to call home. Yeah. You have wonderful views, you have clean air, and you have wine everywhere. It's not bad. This is also next to the train station of Rea. So you have, you, have a, you have a great view of both the mountains in the distance and 
pretty much the old train station, which is just beyond here. But you're from here. Is being from here your own sort of, is it childhood wonder and curiosity that took you to this? Or is, am I just making this too romantic? And it's, it's always romantic to go far <laughs> and uh, create an NGO, and uh, it's always about uh, romance and uh, and passion. And uh, but uh, what brought me to this is I wasn't born in Rayak. I wasn't born in Lebanon. I was born in Ecuador, and I was born by the nostalgia of my parents coming back to Lebanon. I see. So uh, because my parents were from this. Uh, Amazing city they called Riyadh. Oh, we come back to Lebanon when we go back. We have cinemas next to the house. We have nightclubs. We have a train station. And, and, sorry, that was here. Yes, yes, yes. We had a train. St- we have a train station. We have an airport. You go from a city to another city. I was living in downtown Quito, which is uh, which is a city. And coming back, when we came back to Lebanon, we said, "Oh my God, where where are you taking us?" That <laughs> all those Syrian uh, stops and uh, the this Syrian is, military this stops was during in the 1992. Civil War? We no, came oh, so back. just after, I see. Yeah, just okay. after the civil war. And uh, hey, Dad, where's the train station? You're not allowed to to look towards the train station because it was a uh, it was already a military base for mm, the Syrians. Right. Where are the cinemas? They were closed. So how how old uh, were you in that? Uh, I think 11, 12 years old. So you're, yes. you're just, I mean, you, I'm guessing you had seen trains running before and you knew that this is a train station. No. Oh, so you had not no, seen... No, 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 because uh, uh, the same corruption that stopped the railways of Lebanon also had stopped the trains of Ecuador. And I always dreamed that we will have the trains back in Lebanon just like the trains are back in Ecuador. So, so both countries that you called home at some point, lost their train networks. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. And both countries had the most difficult trains of the world. Ecuador. That, Ecuador, they had a train that goes up to uh, Quito, which is 3,500 kilometers of, uh, meters away from the, from the sea. High. It's a high mountain. So uh, the big example of having a, a train climbing the mountains of Lebanon I had a, a bigger example in Quito, but it was a later example. It happened after after the trains of Lebanon. You had new technologies. They didn't cross high slopes because they made it like a snake uh, a snake hike, which is uh, it's not a direct hike. So uh, uh, it's uh, it was the same same, you know. But uh, uh, my passion wasn't there. I was a filmmaker. I was finishing my last year in university and I was asked to do a documentary and what was better than doing a documentary of the Syrians leaving Lebanon in 2005 so I started filming uh, our uh, our campaigns from the university towards Sahat al-Najmi uh, then uh, I realized hey hey they're, they're leaving Rayak why don't I go and start filming and that's when I first saw the you railway know, for the first time it's amazing I, I mean I think a lot of us that did not grow up here, that grew up on the coast, yeah. we got used to life without the Syrian army earlier because they had left already. Yeah, but so in, it's hard, it's easy to forget that they were still here. They were still here, and, and they were they very were here, present. They yeah. were here to stay, and even when they left, they say, 
which means we're coming back. <laughs> so I entered to the train station and I was filming. I was young. I had all my... Uh, and no, so they had pulled out and nobody had took it over yet. There no, no, no. no. They, used, they, they were still packing. Oh, they were packing. Okay. And I yeah. went with my camera and I was very young. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you must, in your, I'm guessing, uh, early mid twenties. Yeah, er, yeah, early early mid twenties, and I was like finishing my university, and I want to take this footage of the Syrians leaving my country. This is a historical moment of my life, and uh, suddenly I see like uh, uh, they are burning something inside one of the wagons. Mm. I waited for a certain like twenty minutes, half an hour, and they left. They like they, they their 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 big truck went between two buildings. I said, okay, they left. That's why I'm telling you, I was very young. So I entered between. Uh, I, I I went to the wagon that was burning, and uh, uh, as I entered to the wagon, I realized that uh, uh, they were burning the archives, the beautiful archives, the the beautiful uh, maps of the train station, You're everything. Kidding. So, so those were still there. They were still there, and they were they they were burning the the locom the, the 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 sketches of the locomotive, everything. So I was like, "What should I do? Should wow. I still record? Should I stop recording? Should I save the archives?" We we understand the the importance of this. Of so so I start started to handle the archives from the from the wagon. Wow. I I burned my hands and I started like shouting ah 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 like this and. Behind me was still the truck between the two buildings. I thought they were there, and they went out from the truck, and they started like up in the air and said, oh, what the fuck? They're sh- I should run now. <laughs> you should run now. <laughs> and as a young guy and uh, uh, full of energy, my feet like were, I, I was like, uh, my feet were just uh, tapping my butt as I ran away fast, and they went back to the archives, and they stopped there. And they kept waiting until the last archive was burned. Wow. I wa- what happened? I only had some of the archives. You were able to take some to of them with you. Take some of my archives in the back of my camera. So I said, "Oh, what should I do now? Uh, it's my fault. Even though I didn't burn them, but I should have waited for them to go. I could have saved more archives." I started gathering uh, pictures, I started gathering uh, stories, I started gathering everything, and suddenly I had the archives, I started meeting people who are interested. Okay, let's let's work together, guys, let's do an, 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 an NGO. We have to save the planet, save Lebanon, save so, the railways. So this is, this is the most obvious example I've heard of a... I don't know if civil society is the right word here because yeah. it should be just standard governance. Yeah. But whatever you want to call it, this is the most obvious example of something emerging from those days, from those protests, and from the country almost reaching a moment where it could be on its own two feet once again. And here you have a, a, a man in his early 20s trying to rescue burned footage and archives from a burning train station because you care so much about this country and about its history. And this is a fascinating, uh, fascinating story where you, you're risking your own well-being I, to I try to I was too preserve. young to understand this. But old enough also yeah. to know what you're doing. No, no, not even. No, you don't. It's it's just passion that's driving so you around. Just, yeah. So you must be okay. Go yeah, on. you know, I, I, it's like goofy, <laughs> but, you know. Well, well, it might be irresponsible, but it's also yes. it's also 
well-intentioned. Yes, it is an irresponsible thing that uh, to do. There's always an intelligent way to work things out, but when things happen, uh, you just have to uh, work around things. You know, uh, they were burning something. I was very curious, and curiosity killed the cat. You know, but and you it survived. Almost, it almost <laughs> killed me. It almost killed you. What were the archives? What did you actually find? Uh, the archives had. Uh, Uh, you had the maps of the railways. Uh, you had uh, documents of the things that were in uh, the railway company in Rayak, uh, in the in the in the warehouses. Uh, you had uh, drawings of the railway parts. Uh, they burnt. Uh, But do you have any clue why these would be burned? Of course, the train station was stolen. And why would they be burning archives that have nothing to do with their? Footprint? It's the evident. It's an. It's the evidence of what were what we had there. Sometimes uh, uh, this can, words, could be part of their ignorance. Also, you know. Oh yeah, I was curious if they're yes. just burning everything. This could no, 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 no. They didn't burn everything. Mm. They just burned archives. But you preserved these things, and what did you do with them? Did you just you took them? And you no, no, I took like a, a, a very, 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 very few documents, uh, like uh, four or five documents that were even burnt. Uh, uh, if you go to uh, their historical uh, importance, uh, they have uh, uh, almost nothing on them, but it's uh, uh, my, on my history in train train, they, they signify a lot. But what happened afterwards is uh, this guilt trip that played... Uh, Uh, played me to uh, work on getting archives. I traveled around the world to get archives oh, for yeah. Lebanese uh, railways. Oh, so you had to leave Lebanon to get yeah, archives? Yeah, 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 yeah of yeah. course. I, I, I went to London to some uh, journalists who came and write articles before uh, the Civil War. I went to, uh, to uh, I went all the way to Arizona to for, to make an interview with a person, a, a journalist who came to Lebanon and write. That, uh, uh, he he put us in an article of the uh, steam locomotive uh, magazine. I uh, I I in- interviewed 70 of the railway workers, and the funny thing is. But sorry, Elias, this is out of your own pocket. You yeah, were, yeah, yeah, so yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. spent your own money on. Trying to preserve. Yeah, for, uh, it's it's. Uh, I don't look at it as money, you know. It's. Uh, I I was uh, I was a gold digger at that time. It's not like I'm paying money to buy gold. No, I was digging for gold. I was a gold <laughs> digger at that time. So I was like, uh, I was going around uh, searching for railway workers who still uh, <coughs> were still alive, and I went. I interviewed them, and. Uh, The mysterious thing is that most of the railway workers, just after the railway, the, the interview, they passed away. They died. Uh, it's like they were waiting for me to, uh, to, for the, f- to take their testimony, and they uh, just died. I, I, I took uh, their their death uh, very personal. At the first time, I thought it. It was me. I, I'm the prophet of trains. I, I've been asked <laughs> to go and interview this guy before he dies or something. But uh, it's uh, very weird what happened, how things happened. Of course, uh, 
uh, just two or three of those uh, railway workers are still alive. I but, noticed, uh, actually, there was a clip that I found online. With <coughs> I think he's maybe in his early 90s now. Yeah. I, I for, his name escapes me. He was actually, uh, I think, based on the, in this station here. Yes, Asad Namrud, yes. Right. He's still alive, yeah. So, so you managed to keep the other stories alive. I mean, you've interviewed up to 70 employees. Yeah. yeah. And were they all... Uh, as passionate about trains as you? They were ready, if just the government says okay, they were ready to help for free, yeah. to give their, their knowledge, to help. People who, uh, who worked in the railway, they were very passionate. They were very, very passionate. You know, uh, they, they had this ego that they are the pilots of of a train they 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 used to walk uh, like a, like a, like a rooster you know <laughs> with their head up high and uh, they, 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 they they were the thing they they had yeah. the highest uh, uh, allowance and uh, they, they were paid uh, the highest in uh, of all the workers in Lebanon they they had a living you know they used to buy the land. They 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 earn the living from working in the railway. The, working in a railway, it uh, it's not like you want to be a train driver. You can be. It took you eight to nine years to be able to drive a train. But these these seventy that you interviewed were most of them out of work before the civil war due to the downsizing and. Imagine I made interviews of. Uh, uh, oh, I made a couple of interviews with uh, one of those workers who retired even before the civil war. So they had the testimony of the first world war. Oh wow! You were able to interview. I was a World able, War One train conductor. Train conductor. Uh, wow. Uh, train worker, not oh, conductor. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Railway worker, yeah. because that in order to be conductor, I told you it takes like eight years of experience mm -hmm. for them to allow you. But he was already a railway railway worker but that's, in the first century ago. You were yeah, able to, so wow. I, yes, it's because uh, I started interviews in two thousand and five. So you, you mentioned in an interview that you were at, trying to bring the Betroun to Jbeil link back up because most of it is there, and it's not that difficult to do that. I'd like to just know your own experience in sort of getting into the Lebanese state and how they treated you and how they treated the subject. Because there's no one else, I think, that knows the stumbling blocks no, as no. much as you. Uh, it's, uh, it's very important to understand that uh, all this mentioned is, uh, is the work of an NGO. I can't go and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, say that I want to bring the 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 line back from Batroun to Jbal if I didn't have the support and the backup and the intelligence and the engineering uh, uh, of the train train NGO. So you helped start or you started this NGO and you brought a team of engineers on board to make it a, I, I'm guessing, a serious feasibility thing that you could take and say, this is doable. What was the reaction? <laughs> okay, they, uh, uh, up until we asked for this, Train Train was just an NGO. Mm -hmm. But once we asked that we want to restore a line, that's when <laughs> we saw how, how uh, we understood how the government 
works and how we became the enemies of the system. It's tragic in itself that an NGO is asking a government to rebuild a real network. This is, should not even be the no, job no, no, of an no, no. NGO. No, 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 we're not even asking the government. <laughs> we don't... <laughs> <laughs> we at the beginning we were asking the government. Yeah. Then under we understood okay, if the uh, the person who runs the railway company has never seen a railway running in his life, he's never read a railway. He doesn't know how to read a map of the railway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who are you asking? Huh? You're not asking something rational. And uh, with all my respect to all the railway workers who I really respect and I really honor, and even the, the hard work of someone to become uh, uh, managing uh, the railway company, people make fun of the idea that there is a manager for the railway company. And that's not because of his post, but it's because of, uh, of nothing happening since uh, he's been uh, indisposed. So, so, you, were so talking uh, to, you were talking to that person? Uh, that person. And uh, we tried. We said, okay, welcome aboard. You're the new railway uh, manager. And he became a railway manager because we made a big strike. We had like 600, 700 bicycles all the way uh, all around Beirut and we came in front of the train station and we started uh, shouting Yatren Mashetren, Yatren Mashetren. And two or three weeks afterwards, we had a new railway uh, manager. We said, okay, this is our opportunity yeah. to help the system come back. Right. We never thought that uh, uh, we should be fighting the system or be against the system because if you want a railway to happen, you need a railway company to be there. You can't just uh, um, think that if you go and attack a railway company, uh, you will be able to support the idea of having a railway. No, you have to make the railway company uh, a strong company, help help her to stand and become a strong company. And then if you want to have a railway back, uh, it will happen. And uh, we made the study with our team and we decided, hey guys, let's make a pilot of the railway coming back. We gathered all our engineers, we made a nice study of a prototype of a railway line that has bridges like any other part of the rail. It has encroachments like any other railway part of the, and it has strong encroachments of deputies and ministers. Uh, it has missing lines like any other railway line. It has uh, several train stations, it has uh, uh, tunnels, it has everything. So why we choose? We chose Petrun, Jbal uh, for a, a reason that if we as an NGO, and we didn't want to label it as a, a work of our NGO, we, at the beginning, we proposed this, that the railway company will be doing this with our NGO silently helping it in order to make a, 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 a successful railway company. We asked the government. Mm-hmm. We are able. We have the connections to get the money. Yes. So we the, money, the signed, money was there. Money was ready. No, 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 no. We signed confidential agreement with the donors yes. that uh, we will go and ask for this. Don't let us down because we already have this confidential agreement. Uh, 
<laughs> we, one, of, one of the people, he said, okay, I'm ready to donate $2 million dollars alone from my personal pocket, but I don't believe that you will get uh, okay. So you had individual donors? Individual donors, companies, uh, Lebanese immigrants, uh, everybody wanted to uh, fund this project. Wow. And we made, uh, and we were, we had the credibility. We, as an NGO, we never were uh, like, uh, we got like, from from 2005 up until uh, today, the NGO has never raised more than $5,000 in all its life. And all the money was used for printing a, 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 a poster or printing a, an exposition or something like that. That's all We've been surviving with no money and we've been having supporters and now the NGO. It's not about a person called Elias Ma'luf, no, because Elias Ma'luf left the NGO two years ago and it's still working and it's still very active and it's very strong. And because I believe, I believe we will never have our Lebanon back if we don't have our railway back. It seems like you're, um, you, there was a moment where things lined up where everything that could go right went right, that you had people, you had momentum, you had money, and you had something that is feasible. What happened? They just didn't sign the papers to allow us to go and do the thing. Okay. Now, I know this may be a sensitive subject because there are, I mean, I don't, I'm I'm more interested in what your thoughts are on what their reluctant their reluctance was because it almost seems like it's a win-win situation for everybody. Lebanon gets a rail network back. Train train did its job. The government now has a it has something to has something to be proud of, which is that they they're now running the train network again. It's a 17.5 kilometer railway line that we were able to, in our studies, we, we asked the government to give us only three months to build it back. So, it would, what, okay, so this is even, this is even worse now. What, what, what do you think their reluctance uh, was? Where, where does it come from? Geopolitics. So, so the Jbel Batroun link would hurt who exactly? And, I mean, you don't need to... If, if you, I, yeah. it's a, we, we, I've never been afraid in my life to say the truth, and there's nothing to be afraid of, but I'm telling you. <sighs> Up until now, I just don't understand this people. The, but you uh, said you said geopolitics. Let's, ge- what, what do you mean by that exactly? Geopolitics, geopolitics. Who who is benefiting from Lebanon not having a railway back? Just think of it. We can maybe let's leave the train network for a moment. Let's go to something that is uh, extremely dysfunctional, but still running to a certain degree. Here, miraculously, it's twenty four hours. The rest of the country, it's not, which is electricity. Would you link it to the same kind of issue that the inability to have electricity for a few million people in one country is the same problem that we don't have? Yeah, 
Would you link it? Would you link it to the trash crisis? Would you link it to Let environmental me, decay? And uh, can I explain? Mm-hmm. We after we have we they refused the uh, Petronish bail. We pressed charges against the railway company. Oh, uh, against the Majlis Shura Dawla. Okay, and uh, we lost the case. Although we had evidence uh, from a lot of TV interviews with us and the railway company, we had everything uh, to show. And uh, we have our certificates from the Ministry of uh, Interior that we are an NGO that is allowed to work on this issue. And suddenly uh, the judge say, you have nothing to do with this issue. You are not allowed to ask for this. And uh, he returned our... uh, our uh, our case and what we did we had the plan B to make an enormous strike in in Beirut and we were planning this it was in the 120 years of uh, railway of Lebanon it was in 2015 uh, 3rd of August the plan was to make uh, we were building a huge locomotive a replica of one of the German trains that we have. We had the plans, we had everything. We even got uh, uh, also the potential donors to help us build this train. And we were gonna build this train and push it from the train station of Marim Khail up until the parliament of Lebanon. Uh, and this was gonna be pushed on the first, this was gonna be pushed on the first track, and afterward this was gonna be pushed all the way to the Beka. We are still this strong to, to do this, but uh, why we stopped suddenly, and uh, just uh, before we started building the train, uh, uh, only uh, three, uh, three months before, uh, the trash, uh, the Eustink uh, uh, protest began, began. Yeah. and uh, we were networking with all the uh, NGOs, and they said, "Please, uh, train, train, you should stand next to us with this issue because this is a most more important issue, and it was really more important than the railway. People are getting sick because of the trash." Uh, our country was in a big uh, garbage bla- bag, and it was. Uh, it was bad for our image. We were in the news everywhere, so I, we I, decided to stop our strike and but I, but I'd like focus to focus on uh, the trash crisis. And uh, or all our NGO members were part of the strike. But I'd like to maybe go back on this geopolitics again. I, I would, um, I would, I think, I would agree that the fact that the state does not exist the way it once existed may not have been the most functional state in the 50s or 60s. And you eloquently described a state that was sabotaging its rail network anyway in the 1960s and early 70s, that it was actually scaling it back and making it almost mm-hmm. defunct, but that it was something that was maybe more, more uh, responsible and more able to cater to things like transportation and electricity and all that. Geopolitics has prevented Lebanon from functioning since 1975. Maybe that includes all of these issues. But it's odd that Biblos to to Betrun, which should be on no one's radar, I mean, this is a fairly sparse population. The rail is still there for the most part. 
Um, it doesn't seem to ruffle anyone's, figure, anyone's feathers in my mind. I can't think of why regional instability would sort of have any, any impact on a little train route from that small sliver of land. But that maybe shows just how impossible it is to have anything work properly in this country. That if you cannot even have Biblos to, Biblos to Betrun running, then the expectations are so low that in 2019, I mean, it's just, it's going to be like this for, for maybe decades to come. Why in 2029, even though you're maybe, maybe you have optimism, which is good, that train train is still running, that you have people still passionate about the subject, but the chances of there being a train network in 2029 seem to be very small. Out of 2039, 2049. I mean, the farther away we go from 1895, <laughs> less chance we have of a train running. Uh, I don't want to sound yes, yes. too pessimistic here, but... Yes, yes, and no, no. Okay, well, that's why it's train, train, yes, right? <laughs> yes, and no, no. I can't uh, be thinking this way and coming back to my land and uh, making a winery here and uh, trying even... I mean, the it's not easy to start a business. I'm not starting a business in Beirut, in the city. So... Uh, Hope is what brings back a country. And I will keep my hope. And no one can stop this hope even if I die. You know, this is actually maybe uh, something that we both remember, which is just after the Civil War, the train that was still running yeah. from Beirut to... I, I mean, I remember it going to Junye, but I think it may have gone even further if I'm not mistaken. No, it's, you're, it's you're mistaken because it, it was the train that built Beirut after the Civil War because this is the train that brought the, the, uh, the, the baton from, uh, from Shitka to, uh, to Solidar to downtown Beirut. So it was, it was rebuilt for this reason. It's not, it wasn't rebuilt for our uh, for 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 me and you. It there was, was a, there was a green train. Yes, with that passengers. was that. that yeah, no, no, the the train with passengers was an orange train called so, the automotrice. Yes, the green sorry, train yes. had uh, wagons for freight. The orange train was just to. Uh, it was called the uh, train of uh, the sea, the Bahar train, where people use it during Sunday to go to. A swim in Mahmertain uh, from Beirut. Uh, it was an occasional train used for schools uh, uh, up until they realized they can sell it for uh, scrap and they sold it before they stopped uh, functioning the railway line. Elias, did you ever ride one of those trains in the early 90s? No, not in the early 90s. I rode one of those trains. We sneaked into a railway uh, station in 2000. And I think in 2011, I had a friend of mine who was uh, also doing a documentary of her grandfather, who was a railway of her uncle, who was a railway worker. We sneaked in, we got some batteries, we turned on those trains, which are Polish trains, and that at that time the train wasn't uh, uh, a military base for any of the. Uh, uh, militants that are now in the train station which, of which station uh, is this? Furnishbeek Furnishbeek Sennelfil it was called the train station of NBT 
we went in with one of the railway drivers. We turned on the train. Wow. We drove the green train you're talking about for more than two kilometers. It's this big, the train station. You, you, we drove you, it. I drove it. No I one, was there. No one saw you there. running a train? They saw us. Oh. We, we whistled the train, but that you're was before me. they knew who we are. They didn't know yet. Train, so you train, got train, two train, the potential, the, the energy of train train became strong in 2012. You got a train to run for two kilometers. Yes. You brought the battery. You made it happen. Me and my friends. <laughs> yes, and her they, uncle. They used to drive those trains, and we drove this train. You may be the last person who drove a who train. Drove a train. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we whistled the train, and we were trying to, like, uh, uh, they say, I'm Mr. Fizzun. <laughs> okay, but uh, uh, at the time uh, there was. Uh, but how does it? How is it still running? Uh, it was. Years it was and bought years and in nineteen seventy-seven, right after the civil war. So it was new. It, uh, it, there's nothing there to be repaired. Uh, even the oil, uh, which has. But even the tracks, they were. You could navigate the tracks yeah. even after yeah, yeah. 30 it's 40 years grass. of only grass only grass yeah we took the risk it was a it, it you don't have any slopes you don't have any uh, curves uh, it was an easy in and out and it was just uh, a shutter uh, a shutter movement inside the train station and what happened when you reached two kilometers we came back <laughs> and i am sure up until now the railway, uh, the person that was managing the railway company, which was another one, not the one we have now, and all the railway workers up until now, they have no clue that we did this. Really? Yep. No one noticed the train running? <laughs> <laughs> it's a dinosaur in the middle of the city. No one noticed this, yes. I'm guessing this was late at night. And it was in the middle of the day. Oh, come on, you're kidding yes, me. Yes, 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 I don't believe this. It's amazing. You, wow. Yeah. And I put wow. it as my profile picture on Facebook. Do you mind if I share that photo? Could I upload yeah, the photo it's on, to... It's on Facebook. Okay, my, yeah, I, my first profile picture. You okay, I want, I want... That's how old yeah. it is. Well... But it's just me, a close-up of me, driving the train, but you can't see the train. The, tra the train pictures are with my friend, and we, uh, in order, in respect for this old man who is a railway worker, and uh, we don't want to hurt him, sure. we, yeah. we kept this for ourselves. Wow. Since that train last moved, I'm guessing no trains have moved in the country. No. That's it. You are the definition of hope because you were hopeful enough to keep train train running for many years, even when things were falling apart a few years ago with the You Stink protest. Things have been falling apart for many years, but you kept the NGO alive. You maybe in a way made a dream come true. You brought the train system back to life for a few minutes in one day, and you're still helping anyone whether they're students at universities or anyone who's curious about this network and what it meant for, the, for Lebanon and what it still means for Lebanon, what it means for rebuilding this country. I think uh, you, uh, 
you have a lot of passion, a lot of hope. And I want to thank you for sharing that hope with, with us today. Thank you. seems to be the key and it takes a lot of hope especially in the country where rail has been neglected for decades and train train ngo is still pursuing that noble goal they are still determined to make the state see rail as a necessity and to alleviate the traffic pains of lebanon and they're doing it this weekend there will be a bus service from the madam khail train station in beirut to Rayak. I recommend joining them. You'll get to walk along the Sofar train line and you'll actually get to make it to Rayak and celebrate the commemoration 124 years of the Beirut-Damascus line opening. The Turkish government was interested in redeveloping the line from Tripoli in the north into Turkey. Of course, that project was abandoned with the Syrian war beginning. Uh, the Chinese government has expressed recent interest in enhancing and fixing and developing our rail network. And that is still in its infancy. Nothing has been decided yet. But the issue is alive. Now, there is also talk of expanding the Junier Highway between uh, Nahr al-Kalb all the way to Casino. And adding an extra lane there does not seem to be the correct way of alleviating the massive congestion feeding in and out of Beirut, particularly during rush hour. Combination of many things. Perhaps an an additional lane can be one small component of a larger, massive rethinking of transport in Lebanon. A train line is essential to alleviating that congestion. Without it, it is simply a short-term remedy for long-term pain. And adding an extra lane in Junia will lead to at least a decade of additional traffic. Uh, urban transport, or urban planning for that matter, is poor in Lebanon. And it's really felt in Beirut. The post-war landscape, the post-war reconstruction of Beirut, is controversial to say the least. The architectural heritage that made the city famous is very difficult to find today. And the passion that Elias has for trains is similar to the passion Munal Halla has for urban planning and architecture. And Munal Halla is most famous for saving and helping restore a building along the Green Line, the Barakat building. And she is very active and having us keep a collective memory of what Beirut looked like before the war, particularly downtown, and primarily Martyrs Square. She is very, very active on that front. She ran for the municipality elections. She is leading a Ross Beirut initiative today at AUB, And she is still involved in the Beit Beirut project, the Barakat building that she helped save. So her hope and her passion and her dreams are similar to Elias Malouf. And next week, we'll jump into urban planning 
and heritage with Munal Halla. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. Thank you.